Do you want to know what it takes to work as a high-performing executive assistant? You'll find out when you listen to the EA Campus podcast. Join me, Nikki Christmas, the founder of Practically Perfect PA and the EA Campus, for a weekly interview with successful assistants who all have first-hand experience and lessons to share on what it takes to excel in the role. Tune in, get inspired, and learn how to create an assistant career where you are valued, motivated, and ready to face every challenge head on. Whether you are an assistant just starting in your career or prepared to move to the next level, building a successful assistant career just got a little easier with the EA Campus podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the EA Campus podcast. I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by Holly Copsey. Hi, thanks so much for joining us, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have a chat. Oh, I know there's so much we can cover and I know that your name has been mentioned before in other podcasts. So people will probably already be pricking their ears up and thinking, I know that name. But before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career to date? Okay, so I've been an EA for just over 20 years now. I started off, actually went to, I studied business studies at college and I didn't really know what I wanted to be. So I just wanted to get general education. When I left there, I went on to do a Pittman secretary exec qualification. And then again, once I finished there, I just went straight into temping roles. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I um, absolutely love doing that work. I've always been super organized, loving just, yeah, getting everything, everything organized for my whole family and friends. So it's quite a natural transition. Love those roles. And then I saw a role advertised. It was at the local grammar school and it just sounded perfect being PA to the head teacher. Now, I grew up on a farm. I've got that, that sort of background, didn't really know anyone that worked in the city. So it was all brand new and exciting for me. And this was a local role. But horse riding has always been a huge part of my life. So I wanted to stay working local for that reason. So I got the job in the school, absolutely loved it, worked with a fantastic head teacher. I was there about two years and then I moved on to a a local private school, was there about five years. And then I actually came to a bit of a crossroads in my life personally because the horses I'd had and been competing, there were some injuries, one was retired Um, So I just came to this point in my life where actually I wasn't doing so much of it. And I'd always loved the idea of working in the city, but it had just never been the right time. And at that same time, with all the changes with the horses, I had a friend mention a role that they'd heard about in the city, which was working in the chairman's office at Lloyds Bank, which was obviously quite a senior role to go to. But anyway, I went for it. Yeah, the interview went really well. I offered to do a typing test on the spot, which they absolutely loved, managed to nail that. And I was offered the role the next day. So I moved into the city. I was based near St. Paul's and I suddenly found myself working yeah, in the chairman's office at Lloyds Bank. I was actually the number two EA there. He had a brilliant senior EA who I learned so much from. And within two weeks of starting there and just starting to learn the ropes, she went on jury service. So I was suddenly left holding the reins and it really was one of those kind of sink or swim moments. He was quite a formidable character. I loved working there, but it was during the time that Lloyd's went through the HBOS acquisition. So as you quite remember, it was quite a turbulent time at the bank. So I only actually ended up being there about a year um, because at the end of that, the chairman decided to step down and retire. And then we moved into private offices and I started looking for another role because that wasn't what I wanted to do long term. 
And then again, through a friend of a friend, I just happened to hear about the role of Barclays and I ended up going to Barclay Card and working for their chief exec there. And I was in that role for just over eight years. I worked for two chief execs during my time there. Both were Americans, but the first was based in London. And then the second was actually based in the US. And that was my first sort of taste of working virtually and across yeah, that different time zone and working from home a bit more. So then I went on from there. My, I say my boss announced his retirement and I'd actually just found out I was pregnant with my second child. And I'd already started thinking about the transition and what I did following that because I needed a new role by the time my daughter started school. I just couldn't manage the city role and the two children and all the juggling. So that was really something I'd been thinking about for a while. And I ended up taking redundancy and then setting up my own business. And I've now been running Virtually Priceless, my VA agency, for five years this summer. Wow, that's a lot uh, that we can dive into. There's so many things I'm just thinking about that I can follow up on. Yeah. But but just to get a sense of where you are now then. So you've been mm-hmm. working as a virtual assistant for the last five years. Yeah. Uh, it's been an interesting period over the last five years for assistants, particularly in the UK. Absolutely. Because so many of them post-pandemic and during the pandemic moved into a virtual assistance career and starting their own businesses because of the being redundant during the virtual being redundant during the pandemic and it just seemed like a great option but you were doing it pre-pandemic so I wonder what the last five years has been like for you running the virtual assistant business because you must have noticed the difference pre-pandemic and post. Absolutely yeah so I've set up my business in July 18 my son was nine months old Wow. And I set up, obviously, it was just me on my own. But within six months, I was fully booked. And you know, I never really knew how it would go. I always just imagined it would be me. It might be nice eventually to get a couple of team members, but just had no idea. And then within six months, I was fully booked. I actually started doing an associate role for another VA where she ran a team of VAs working on one client. And it opened my eyes just to the opportunity. I'd never thought about it in that way. So that was great. And then when the pandemic hit two years later... Um, I suddenly found myself at home with two very young children on my own, having to homeschool the same challenges everybody else faced. But at that time, I had quite a lot of client work I was committed to, and it just wasn't sustainable for me to manage that going forward. So I actually stepped down from a couple of my roles. I expanded my team. I only think I had one or two associates at that time. Within one year of the pandemic starting, the business had quadrupled. In terms of turnover and team size, and we just had clients coming in left, right and centre, I think. We were really fortunate the clients we were already working with carried on. I think we only had one who actually reduced their hours, but for everybody else, it just went a bit crazy. And yeah, from there, it's just grown. And I think we've really seized the opportunity with the clients we work with where we've been able to increase the support as they go. Quite often they start working with us in quite a small capacity, but we see opportunities where we can step in and help them with other things and just make some suggestions and just relieve them of as much pressure as possible. We're quite good at helping out with that. So yeah, it's really changed. Wow. It's similar to the same with Practically Perfect PA in the sense that we were running virtual events pre the pandemic. And then when everything happened and everyone was scrambling to become, have their events online, we would, we already had all the systems in place and we were able to just set the ground running. So it sounds similar that you were, you already had the business in place 
from yeah. 2018. So you knew already what you were doing and you could just scale up from there. Exactly. Um, and that's it. It's been the scaling and that's been the trickiest part of the journey. I think the work has sometimes come in so thick and fast. You don't want to turn the work away, but it's also just trying to actually make sure you've got the capacity, you've got the right team members. I've obviously had to reduce the amount of client work I do. I absolutely still do quite a lot, but yeah, nothing like the volume I was back in those sort of pre-pandemic days. I was going to ask you that, how much of your time is now dedicated to managing your team of associates and the business compared to how much work you're doing for clients? Yeah, so I think at the moment, I've probably split my time about a third on client work and two thirds business. Ultimately, it probably has to go to 100% being on the business because we've got about 15 clients now, a team of over 20, and it is just really time consuming. We haven't done a huge amount of marketing in the last couple of years. We've just kept things ticking over because a lot of our work is coming through referrals. But we are now starting to increase that. We've also now got some employed members of the team. So we've got this dual model of some employed team members and associate subcontractors so we are just ramping things up within the VP business but it is obviously taking up a lot more of my time and I love it but it's really hard to step away from the client work because us PAs we're all control freaks right we don't like to delegate (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah it's exactly as you said isn't it is it's wearing two different hats absolutely Uh, but yeah very much wanting to have that one hat still on (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah no it's nice I get to sort of dip my toes in I've got a couple of clients that I still have some very specific responsibilities for I get quite heavily involved in their client invoicing and obviously where we've got a team of VAs in I will manage that team within that business but we've got some some other great exec assistants in the business as well who also help to now manage those teams so yeah, I'm really excited about the prospect of training other people up and just starting to get delegate some of those management responsibilities. Fantastic. There's, as I said, there's so much to pick and I'd love to get back to the VA side of stuff as well as talk about your past career when you were working mostly in financial services by the sounds yeah. of things, but also schools. Let's talk about the main aspects of your role now, what your day looks like, how you manage everything and juggle everything and maybe some of the processes that you put in place just to manage your time. Yep. So I'm a big believer in work-life integration rather than balance, because I'm not sure there's quite the balance in my life that I would like. But I love the fact I can work flexibly. I still work a lot of hours, but I do it to suit me and my family and personal commitments. I tend to start the day really early, which is quite new for me, actually, in the last couple of years. I've always been a real night owl, but I think as I've got older, I've struggled with that. So I now I'm generally at my desk by 5.30, 6 in the morning with a cup of tea. And I try to get a couple of hours in before the children are awake. And then I do the whole school run thing and get it all out the door. I then head to the stables. And my sort of first port of call in the morning is to just do my chores at the yard. But I'm usually back at my desk by 9.30, 10 o'clock. I've actually now got a small office at the yard because it's just become such a big part of my life. It's my parents' place, so it suits me to work from there too just to minimize the amount of time I have to spend traveling back and forth. And then, yeah, the day is really varied. No two are the same. I might be having meetings with clients. I might be talking to prospective clients, one-to-ones with the team. We have team meetings. I have sessions with my finance manager. I have a couple of girls who work with me on the marketing. So it really is quite a mixed bag. But I just, I love the variety. I really do. And yeah, as much as the juggling all the things is quite challenging, that's also the bit that I really love. I think the more balls you have to juggle. Yeah, I work well under pressure. And yeah, I love that pace. And yeah, the variety is brilliant. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you what some of the challenging aspects of your role are, but I would imagine having a young family, having responsibilities with your horses as well. It must be difficult juggling everything. And one of the ways to counteract that is probably getting up so early. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I do, I do on occasions to work a couple of evenings in the week as well. But you know, that is my choice. I like to sometimes log on once the children have gone to bed and just clear down emails or work on a particular project where I just need some clear space and some thinking time. But as I say, I really appreciate the flexibility. I like being able to take an hour out here or there. I don't want to be tied to my desk from nine to five. I don't think many people work in that way anymore. Certainly the clients that we work with, they all work different hours, different schedules. So it really suits to have that flexibility. I'm always on, even when I'm not on my desk. I use Slack with my team and that's their main port call to, to contact me. So that's the one place that wherever I am, what I'm doing, they know they can reach me. So that's really important. But yeah, I've tried to find a way of waking at work. It's not perfect. I don't get it right all the time, but I do try to make sure that I have enough flexibility to make both my work and personal life work. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? I think it there's so many assistants who would be really keen to do what you've done. First of all, moving out of a corporate environment into a virtual assistant role and then have that so that they're running the business and they've got associates who are able to help them manage their clients. It sounds like you've, yeah. I think probably because you've been doing it for such a long time now you've ate, and you've ridden that wave of people really understanding what the virtual assistant can do yeah. for their business it's a real inspiration for I think for people who are listening that it is possible all of this Absolutely. is possible yeah no for sure I think it's it's something I thought about for a while yeah. I knew I always wanted to run my own business my problem was I just never knew doing what a lot of the time while I was in EA I loved doing the work but I always felt like I wanted to do something more and I used to spend my time researching what I could do and I'd look up all these random business ideas and I, it had never occurred to me the idea of being a VA and I just happened to stumble across it one day and just connected the two and thought oh I can do what I love and what I'm really good at and I've already got the skills and experience and I can run a business and while I was actually at Barclays I did a degree part-time alongside my work so I got a business studies degree because I just wanted that general overview of how everything worked and any of the roles that I've done, I really enjoy learning about the business and just seeing how all those all those different functions work together. I think supporting execs at the level I have working in those chair and CEO offices, you get to see how all those things connect. And yeah, it's just been a really interesting journey. Let's go back to the days when you were working as a corporate assistant, because a lot of our listeners still work in that environment. So I'd love to get some advice from you from your time back then, really for anybody who still works in that corporate environment. So why don't we start with a piece of advice you can give to assistants, maybe who are just starting in their role or are new to it, if there's any advice you could give? I think the the biggest thing for me has been taking opportunities to push myself out of my comfort zone. I think you can feel like you're taking really big risks sometimes, whether it's just saying yes to something agreeing to do something you feel a bit uncomfortable with whether it's talking on video or it could be anything sort of small but I think just being actually able to put your hand up for stuff be the person that says yes to things learn new things if there's a project you get a chance to work on just put your hand up and go for it I think every time I've done that in my career it's really paid off and so you learn so much about yourself yeah in the process as well I just yeah think it's really good for you you must have felt so out of your comfort zone when you were working in the Lloyd's position. Oh when my goodness! Well, what, can you tell us a little bit about that? What were some of what were some of the things that were going through your mind? How did you? How were you able to do that? As you said, it must have been such a sink or swim 
moment it really was I was absolutely petrified and I do think a lot of the time we have this very calm demeanor don't we as EAs yep no problem I've got that I'll sort it and yeah then you're back at your desk thinking oh my goodness how on earth do I figure this out but that's what we do right so it was just that you have to just park the overwhelm and actually just get on with the job in hand and I knew I had the skills I had been a PA for several years just not in that environment and I think you have to remember that all the skills that we gain in any of the roles that we do, they're all transferable. You might work in a slightly different industry. It might be a slightly different pace and you absolutely work with different characters. But the job is still the job at the end of the day. You might have some slightly different responsibilities. But I think if you're an organized, switched on person who's just resourceful and actually can just get on and make it happen, you can do that wherever you work. So I think it was really just applying that kind of attitude and yeah, knowing they'd had the confidence in me to give me the job, they'd had great references, I'd passed the test they'd set me. So it was then a case of actually just getting on and doing it. One of the big things that the chairman who I was working with did was audio tapes. He used to take a dictaphone with him everywhere. And it was very much all the time he was in a car going out and about, he'd do these little recordings. And at that time, it was a physical tape that you had to pop in the machine and you had your foot pedal. <laughs> so I spent a lot of my time plugged in. And just it was taking notes for speeches, whether it was sending emails. And then obviously, we'd have our diary catch ups. And yeah, I just had to be brave and get on with it. And I absolutely loved it. And I think just doing that role for that couple of weeks and getting the chance to step up, I realized how much I wanted to do it for myself and have my own exec to look after. And I was very fortunate to work with someone who was really open and transparent about the way they worked. I had access to her inbox from day one. So I really could watch and learn. I'm a big learner and people watch it like that. I My first thing I do when I get into work would always have been to check my execs sent items. I would always make sure I was just really up on the detail of everything they were doing. And even just the messages they're pinging out to their execs, you're seeing the style and tone they do it, how their priorities have changed overnight. There's just so much you can do of reading between the lines. And I think that's something I've really honed over the years. It's just that ability to actually pick out of all the noise, the stuff that really matters and to be able to prioritize for them. That's such a good point. I wonder how you go about doing that because I think that's an amazing skill to have because there is so much noise, particularly now more than ever, I would say. And assistants are bombarded with so much information, more of it relevant than not. Again, any advice on just how you go about doing that? Was there a particular skill you tapped into to be able to do that? No, and I'm not even sure I was aware I was doing it until I probably got a bit further on in my career and realised that actually not everybody does that either. I'm quite naturally nosy. So I think that helps. I think it's yeah, a good skill to have as an EA. But I think it was just a genuine interest in wanting to know what was going on and realizing how much better I could do my job. And you've probably heard the phrase a lot of times, but that idea of being their second brain, you've got to actually get inside their brain to do that. And I think the communication aspect with your exec is so important. And that's something you really have to push as an EA. You have to make sure that they give you the time. You've got to have the conversations about their priorities, how they like things done, how they don't like them done, making sure you ask for feedback. I think it's interesting how many execs sometimes don't tell an EA the way they don't like something done. And then you'll come into a new role and they'll say, oh, my old PA did this, but I hated it for five years. It's like, why didn't you tell them? That's so true. (laughs) That is so true. And they put up with it. 
wouldn't it yeah. just took a conversation yeah absolutely. yeah absolutely so I think yeah just being upfront and asking your execs about those things seeking the feedback and not taking it personally when they give it realizing that it is actually constructive criticism none of us is perfect and they all like things done differently right the way you've done it with one person for five years might be completely different with the next role you're in um, and that's what keeps it interesting, I think, as well. Yeah, totally. So one of the things I, uh, you mentioned earlier, and I'm interested in your perspective on it. So you were at Barclays for a while and then you switched to a different CEO who was based in the States. Yeah. So at that point in time, it must have been an interesting dynamic to work with somebody in different time zones and um, remotely because it must have been much more difficult compared to the process now with the clients that you have. So I just wonder if you could talk to us about that, how you managed to work remotely and some of the differences you can see from back then to now and maybe if it's a little bit easier now. Yeah, I really enjoyed the opportunity of doing that. I wasn't particularly phased by it. As I say, at that point in my life, I was a bit of a night owl and I quite appreciated the fact he was five hours behind me. It meant I could log on in the morning and have quite a leisurely morning catching up before he was online again. So that worked quite well. I was really fortunate that the exec was working for, I already knew. So we already had the relationship because he'd been promoted from being on the Exco for the previous CEO. So I'd worked with him quite closely for a number of years already. And we just had a really great relationship. And again, I think that placing the importance on communication, I felt really valued and respected by him with that. When he opened, I could see him open his inbox and pick off my emails first and make sure he was prioritizing my messages. And yeah, we just made sure we had our regular catch-ups. He phoned me quite often. He was one of those just to pick up the phone. So we were still in constant contact. And it just, yeah, we just got into a really good, yeah, really good zone with it. He'd come and spend probably a week every four or so in the UK. I'd have three weeks of, yeah, working virtually. I was still in the office, but I did have the flexibility to work from home a bit as well. Sometimes I'd juggle it, but I made sure I got home before he had an important meeting or something going on so I could be a bit more online. But it, yeah, the flexibility just really suited me. And I think he really appreciated the fact that I was willing to be flexible around him, but it actually suited us both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the technology has definitely improved now. I think at that time, it was still a bit unheard of to do it in that way. And I think I worked with him for yeah, it was a couple of years. We had a, a good long run at it. But I think the more I did it, I started realizing, oh, actually, this could be a thing. This is how it can work. There's no need for you to actually be sat outside your exec's office. Other than making a cup of coffee, there's not really much else you'd need to do. So, yeah, it was a great chance to practice what I was hopefully planning to do at a later date. I was going to say it must have, and I know there are a lot of assistants that have struggled with this since the pandemic. It must have been hard to then go back into a a more rigid role, exactly as you said, where you are expected to be outside your executive's office for a certain set of hours and you're not doing things as they suit you. So again, I just wondered now that you're working in this or have been working as a virtual assistant, any advice for assistants who are in that position now struggling to get back into that or being asked by their organisations to go back into that kind of more rigid role. Just some thoughts around maybe how a virtual assistant role is possible for them if that's now what they're thinking. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I think during the pandemic, people really started to value a lot more the, the family time and the flexibility with that. And I just guess began to open their eyes to what's possible. I do worry sometimes that people think it's an easy way out and I'll just work a couple of hours here and there. I think the team I work with in particular, the clients we work with, the VAs that I've got, we are all still career EAs, VAs, right? We all still want to do an amazing job. We're all still thinking about 
gaining the experience to then move on to other roles, what we can do next. So it's certainly not an easy option. I think I work harder now than I've ever done before, even though my hours are a lot more flexible. But it suits me to work that way. I like the challenge of it, but I also really like being able to prioritise my family and my personal life. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. You, I think initially when you're, well, at any point, I certainly the case for me, when it's your own business, you work longer hours. It just, it just becomes a, another part of, of your life that is important to you, maybe that was less so for me working as a corporate EA. The yeah. hours that I put in now for practically perfect PA don't compare to what I was doing as, a, <laughs> as an EA, but I love it. So I think for anybody who's starting yeah. as a thinking about becoming a virtual assistant, it's definitely worth bearing that in mind that initially you're probably going to be doing more hours than you might have been working in a corporate environment. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing for people to get used to in the virtual role is that you have to time track that people find that quite hard to begin with. It's a bit like being a lawyer or something. You've got to log time, whether it's the nearest five minutes or 15 minutes, however you work. But that takes a bit of a habit to get into. But now I'm used to turning the timer on off. It's absolutely fine. But I think you're never going to build eight hours of work a day. If you build eight, you have to work 10 or 12. There's always a bit of faffing around. You know, your timer is only on you when you're actually doing focus work. So if you're faffing around with your PC or checking Facebook quickly, your timer's off and it's not billable. And I think in the early days, it's very easy for that time to mount up quite quickly. Once you become a bit savvy to the fact you can't build for it, you do less of it. Yeah, it's very true. You suddenly stop procrastinating yeah, as much. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing how it focuses you when you need to invoice people. Yeah, I think if a corporate assistant did it, actually, it would be really interesting to see how much of their time is focused work compared yeah. to maybe interruptions or procrastinating yeah. or other things that pop up. Yeah, yeah it's probably absolutely. a, a I think we should probably a, do it. Yeah. And there's a great quote, isn't there, about tasks expanding to the time you've got to fill kind of thing. It's amazing when you really focus on something, how quickly you can turn it around and get it done. Definitely. Just to go back to your assistant days when you were working in a corporate environment, I wonder if there were any other, there were any times that you hit any boundaries with the role or maybe some challenges within that kind of more, more structured approach to working as assistants find themselves when working in corporate environments and how you combated those. I think, yeah, the biggest challenge, I think, was probably around that sort of inflexibility. I think that rigidity of having to accommodate your exec's diary. I think there's, I guess it varies from role to role, but certainly in the roles that I did, there was always an expectation that you would be there before your exec, you would leave after them. You were so conscientious about making sure that you were there to attend to their absolute every whim. I think that's probably less the case now, hopefully, with the experience of the hybrid working and people not being in the office all the time. I think a lot of the execs have become hopefully a bit more self-sufficient and a bit more tech savvy that you don't always need to go in and turn it off and on again for them they can do that themselves no it's very true isn't it it's especially when you work in a large organization like Barclays or Lloyd's or a company like that it can be you can find yourself lost sometimes mm-hmm. and your work doesn't sit, seem to have a beginning point or an end point it all just merges yep. into the kind of cogs turning of these big organizations yeah. I guess the difference that you see when you work as a virtual assistant is you see the see the process you see the beginning and the end of a project do you find that enjoyable part of the virtual assistant role yeah to be fair most of our clients are actually retainer clients so it is ongoing work we do the odd bit of project stuff but I think yeah the clients that we work with I think they're just you know 
yeah, they know they're not working in a corporate environment anymore. And they also, most of them realize they're not working with someone who's at their desk to serve them, if you like, for eight hours a day. So there has to be a bit of flexibility from them too. But they also get the benefit of working with really highly experienced people that they probably actually couldn't afford if they were paying a full-time salary, but they get the best of both worlds because they get to just use them for the best bits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the virtual assistant business that you set up. So yeah. when you originally went into it, did you have particular clients that you wanted to work for or particular industries? Did you think about the niche that you were going into? Did, what were your thought processes around setting up the business? Yeah, so I didn't have a specific niche I was after, but it was I did a lot of reaching out to my network. I mean, I think network is something I bang on about all the time I think it's so important and I just I put it out there basically what I was doing I shared my website I wrote some LinkedIn posts and I would uh, yeah even in the first couple of weeks of doing that I had a couple of potential clients come forward I think at the level that I've worked a lot of the execs are they find it particularly hard to trust people so I think where they realized they'd left that corporate world and then gone on to do something else they thought about getting some support in but they hadn't necessarily taken the leap of doing it so when I put myself out there and said this is what I'm doing because they already knew me oh thank goodness this is what I need and it was yeah a really great step and then from that so much of our work has come in through referrals they've easily been 90% of the work that we've had which is really great testament to the work that the whole team has done and the fact that they recommend us to their clients on contacts as well has been fantastic but back to that point about the network that I just do think that is something so important whether you're in the virtual world whether in the corporate world and it's not just network about the execs that you're working with obviously that's important but it's within the whole business like yeah, in those high level roles I did, the, some of the most important people that I'd built a relationship with were the, the chauffeur team, the security team or the IT team, because they're the people that you really need when you want to call upon them and they're there. They're absolutely vital to you being successful at your job. So I think that's, yeah, super, super important. And the team that we've got now, they're such a fantastic community that I love seeing them all help each other out. They're just a great resource for each other to tap into. And yeah, I just think there's so much value in that. So the community stuff is super important. And what are some of the skills that you're finding that your clients are most looking for in the team that you have? So I think primarily we do focus on the kind of traditional EA support. A lot of our VAs have come with that background. They've worked in the city at a really high level. But quite often we'll go into organisation in that role and yeah, yeah, EAs are like, we go, we can see this needs doing. Should we just help you with that? Or have you thought about doing it this way? Or you realize we could do that aspect of the business for you. And quite frankly, they're usually just grateful and throw it at us. So we've picked up a lot of extra work in that way. And we actually now do provide full operational support across a couple of clients that we work with. We've got a couple of members of the team who are particularly tech savvy. So they'll work on automations or they'll help with CRM management. We've got a couple of marketing specialists who've really got that background of helping sales teams. And yeah, it's quite varied. And I think as the yeah more and more needs of, yeah come to the fore from clients, we've been able to fill them, which is really exciting. And has there been any changes over the years that you've been working as a virtual assistant that you've seen that are maybe really positive that when you look forward to the future that you think, great, I'm so happy this is all happening? <laughs> I think the best part for me has been just the team that we work with. I'm super excited about where the business is going. I think the caliber of our team is absolutely brilliant. I'm, I found it really hard to delegate in the early days and it, that's been a big learning curve for me. But actually now bringing people in that I'm like, they can absolutely do the job better than me. They're fantastic. I love it. I think one of the 
the biggest challenges for me with you know just the EA world in general I think I wish people would value themselves a bit more I think that's something that's really evident there's a lot of this kind of I'm just a PA or I just do this or I couldn't possibly and we are just the cogs that keep things going. With a lot of the clients we work with, they are ex-corporate and quite high level, but actually they haven't necessarily ever run a business before because when they're in the corporate world, they had someone in IT and they had an HR person and they had someone to do all these things for them. And there have been some things that have fallen through the cracks for them because they don't actually know at that grassroots level all the things they need to do. So I think we're really good at just capturing all of that there is there's just so much opportunity out there it's really exciting yeah it's so it's it's exactly like you said dependent on where you're working or or what you're doing if you're thinking about becoming a virtual assistant or looking to maybe move up in your career in a corporate environment it's exactly that it's having confidence in your abilities and never just playing small because there are so many opportunities available for assistants yeah (laughs) definitely and I say, for me, I never, I never dreamt I could make a business out of doing what I already did. It was that, oh, what do I want to be when I grow up? I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, I can do this. And it is, yeah, it really is an option for people that perhaps are a little bit frustrated by the corporate world or just feel like it's run its course for them. I think, you know, as I mentioned, those skills are so transferable. And there are so many clients out there looking for flexible support that would really value people that have got that background. Yeah, I have to pick up on something that you said as well around delegation, because I think there's something and I am completely agreeing with you. I find it and found it really hard to delegate, which is quite ironic because I used to get really frustrated when my executive (laughs) wouldn't delegate. And now I look back and think, oh, yeah, it's it's not easy. So I just wondered, again, if there's any advice you can give to assistants from that perspective who are maybe struggling with their executives delegating. (laughs) Any advice? (laughs) Oh, you mean with getting their execs to delegate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's much trickier. Yeah, for sure. I don't (laughs) know why it's hard to start, isn't it? Yeah, and in terms of delegating to you, you've got to build the trust and confidence in the first place. If you are working for an exec that is a bit of a control freak, the only way you're going to get them to delegate, delegate is to prove that you can do those things and you know you have to be given small chances to be able to make that happen but look for the opportunities where you can impress them where you can yeah have a chance to shine and they'll go oh actually yeah I could let them do this thing and if they've done that thing really well perhaps I can let them do something else one of the things I've always had yeah quite a good skill at being able to do is to emulate their style so actually yeah, that should I just draft a response for this? Because a lot of them, you know, they won't let you actually reply, but you could draft the response. But if you do that and time again, they're saying, oh, yeah, that's fine. Just send it. Just send. If you do that enough times, you'll get to a point where they don't even have to check it. And I've now got to a point with execs I work with where you know, they can look at a sent email. Even they don't know if they've written it or I've sent it because you so adapt to their style and tone. I think that has served me really well over the years. And it's something where you can save your exec a lot of time. And even if it's not something they've asked for you can be proactive oh, I've seen this in your inbox I've drafted this response and they wouldn't have thought about delegating it to you but actually because you've gone ahead and done it anyway a you've shown the initiative but b you've got the style and tone right or if you haven't and they've made a couple of tweaks you take that on board for next time and eventually you'll get it right yeah that's such a great piece of advice I think yeah it's saving your executive time isn't it and that's a great example of being able to do that yeah. before we wrap up I always have to finish with a couple of questions around just some of the tools and technology that you're using to help you with your business so really any tools or tech or software that you use that you think would be useful for other assistants so the main one I think that keeps me going day to day is slack 
that's been an absolute godsend for just pulling all of my team together. They're all working on different clients. They will manage multiple clients of their own. And it's just that one place where we all come together. They can reach me there pretty much any time of the day, some of the night. But I haven't got to keep checking multiple mailboxes or looking at WhatsApp. I can just have everything in one place, which is absolutely brilliant. And for those quick fire questions, which is a lot of the time, all it is, it's just a few words. You can just ping something out, which has been yeah, brilliant for us. Yeah, it's such an incredible tool, isn't it? I think anybody that's got that within their organisations or they're really lucky and for those who don't it might be worth mentioning yeah because it just saves people so much time rather than scrolling through emails which oh, can be incredibly stressful yeah, your inbox gets so full. And particularly when you're working virtually, you're often managing your multiple inboxes. And it's just too much to think about. And you have too many different apps pinging at your left and center. So it's good to keep it all in one place like that. Yeah. And then again, just any recommendations around books or websites or training that you've been on that would be helpful, maybe for assistants who are looking to become virtual assistants, anything that you did when you started that journey? Yeah, so when I set up, there was actually one book for me, which really just helped transform the way I thought about everything and how I approached the business setup. And that was She Means Business by Carrie Green. She runs the Female Entrepreneur Association. And I just found it massively inspirational. I was going through quite a tough time in my personal life. I had a very young baby. I just separated from my husband. And I was really not, as well as building a business, I was actually rebuilding my life. So as well as giving me the tools to set up the business, it actually just really helped me think about what I want, what my goals were, and how I was going to get there, and to really dig deep into the things that mattered to me, what my vision for the future was. And I've actually got quite a good journal that when I, at that time, which is obviously now over five years ago, I wrote some really detailed notes about where I wanted to be in one year, three years, five years, 10 years. And it's amazing to look back now and just see how well we stayed on track with that. I think goal setting and sort of future planning and stuff is really important. And I think having that kind of stuff to to hold you accountable, but also to have done the work to actually really think about what you want, not just plucking things out of thin air. Yeah, that paid off hugely for me. It was yeah, it was a really great exercise to do. And it's continued to, yeah, to carry through with what I'm doing now. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. It sounds like you've been on such an incredible journey over the last few years. And congratulations on all the success with the virtual assistant business. It just sounds like you're in a really great spot at the moment. So yeah, all just all well done for everything you've managed to achieve. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the EA Campus podcast. We would love for you to take a minute to subscribe to the EA Campus podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you could give us a review, we would so appreciate that too. If you want to check out the show notes, you can do that by going over to the eacampus.com forward slash podcast and take a look at everything we discussed. You can also find all the links to the resources, articles, and tech that we mentioned during the show. If you want to join the conversation inside the EA Campus community, you will also find all of the information on the EA Campus website. The community continues to grow and we have an amazing group of assistants sharing their careers. We have ongoing events and training for our members and we would love to see ambitious and career-driven assistants join us. Thanks for your time and I hope you tune in again to the next episode of the EA Campus podcast.